Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Barathron. Barathron has released The Crimson Temple. Keeping with the amazing standard only this death metal band can deliver. And here is my interview with Barathron. Well, I wanted to thank you guys for taking time to speak with me today. Oh, it's our pleasure, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, man. I wanted to ask about the creative process for Crimson Temple. How long did it take to put the material together this time around? Well, uh, we actually started uh, working on new songs. Uh, two of the songs actually were uh, were already recorded in the in the Patriarchs of Evil uh, uh, recordings during the recordings of Patriarchs of Evil, but uh, we decided we had to work more on them, and the album was uh, already big, so. We decided to keep them, keep working on them, and uh, and to use them in the next album, which was Crimson Temple. And we also had uh, one song that was uh, mostly composed uh, uh, before uh, Patriarchs of Evil in a rehearsal. We jumped, we were jamming, and uh, we composed it li- right there and recorded through a cell phone. So after so many years, uh, we listened to the recording and uh, we decided to make it a song. But uh, in general, uh, the way we worked after Patriarchs of Evil was to do a lot of uh, demos. And uh, in the end, we we decided all together which songs uh, will be thrown in the, in the trash, you know. Other songs uh, would be... Uh, we decided to work further on them uh, in the next album, and uh, and uh, when we decided which were the best songs, I did the the last pre, uh, pre-production demos in the studio, and uh, we took our time to work on all aspects, to work good on orchestrations, on making the songs as good as possible, and that's why we 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 take our time. We don't want to rush the things, and uh, that's that's pretty much how we work. And I think that rings true throughout the album because I feel this album is strong from top to bottom. Thanks a lot, Robert. We think so too. One of my favorite tracks on the album is Hedgeway of Chaos. I wanted to know if you could speak on that song. All right. This this song was uh, one of the first songs that uh, Harris uh, mostly composed, our our drummer, after Patriarchs of Evil. And uh, it was mostly the blast beat parts, which I loved. And uh, I wanted this song to to be the opening uh, track of the album because I thought it was the most the most powerful. I know the the previous uh, album uh, was uh, was starting with a mid tempo track, so this time I wanted it to be more powerful. So I took those blast beat parts that uh, Harris mostly composed and uh, wanted to add some uh, more mid-tempo, more classic Varathorn stuff in the middle part. 
And after I I composed and uh, you know I said that I I made the first pre-production of the song. Uh, there was also a, a part with a very uh, interesting melody that sounds a little bit uh, Middle Eastern, maybe a little ancient Greek. It's uh, it's a really interesting part, and decided to take that part and make an intro for the album as well, based on that part, which was Ascension, of course, mm. and uh, but uh, make it more cinematic and uh, more, uh, you know, more spiritual. And uh, that's the whole idea, the concept behind Ascension and uh, Hegemony of Chaos. And I think uh, upon listening, when you get that opening, it just totally grabs you and you're totally immersed at the very start yeah man yeah another track i wanted to discuss was sumerian priesthood i wanted to know if you could speak on that one as well Stratos? yeah i think i'll answer the couple of, uh, questions in the next ones so i think this is for you as well all right this one is uh, also one more powerful track. It has the classic. Uh, this is the way we we said, you know, it has the classic uh, Greek uh, blast beat, which is uh, snare first and kick then after the snare. That's that's for us uh, in our minds the classic uh, Hellenic blast beat because you know there are uh, many kinds of uh, of blast blasting rhythms. And I wanted uh, this kind of song. It's uh, it's a little bit like Saturnian sect from uh, the previous album. It's based on uh, on a pure melody. It's uh, it's really based uh, on uh, on a simple melody that would be that many people say that reminds them of uh, Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden. I didn't mm. thought of it back then, but now that I listen, I, I can say that uh, maybe somewhere behind uh, in my mind there was the the Iron Maiden uh, element, you know. But uh, uh, we worked on it a lot and uh, we worked it with Stefan as well, so we started uh, uh, pushing in uh, elements more death metal, more spiritual, more uh, cinematic, and I think it's uh, one of the most uh, epic songs in the, in the album. And uh, how did the video go for Crips in the Mist? Right, uh, coming back from uh, Asvarathron, I think we did we didn't have too many uh, videos uh, since two thousand eighteen. So in the previous album, we started um, by doing uh, our first, let's say, uh, official music video. So we did a track that was uh, more slow tempo and more ritualistic, uh, which uh, included like uh, some acting and some band playing as well. Um, so this time on this uh, album, uh, after we finished the whole uh, full length, we listen to the tracks. We sat down with uh, the guys and talk about which song we think is appropriate for for a video. So we decided uh, we go um, with something more straight. 
like a like a track with a shorter um, duration, and that was Crips in the Mist. Um, and we thought um, we, we we give um, to people um, like a straight band playing video, no acting, just a simple rock. Uh, metal rock and roll like video is is, is how, how how we perform on stage as well, and that was it. We booked um, like a theater, and we uh, conducted one of the youngsters in uh, Ioan in a city, which is the hometown of the guys called Nondas, and um, he was very very helpful. He puts and he throws some ideas as well. Uh, he directed and filmed the whole thing, and. To me, uh, it's like a straight-away video that gives exactly the feeling we wanted to, to give about the song. Everything went smooth, and uh, we cannot be more happy than that. And um, as far as that goes, what can fans look for next? What is the next step for the band? Will you take to the road? Yes, yes. What happens is after we finish the, the promotion... Uh, through our label, which is uh, Agonia Records. Uh, we start uh, promoting the album by doing live shows. Uh, that considers the band playing uh, headline shows, as well doing some tours, and of course uh, hitting the summer festivals in the summer. Uh, we have like a busy schedule. Mostly we have one or two shows every month um, in Europe and other countries. And following, but uh, following with a big uh, Latin American tour, uh, which will start in July, it's going to be about like ten or twelve shows, and then hitting summer festivals like Partisan in Germany, etc., and then some headline shows for the rest of the year. And also, we have already confirmed two, three big festivals uh, for 2025. So as you can see, schedule is busy, and uh, we do our best to promote these albums album because i um, really proud of it uh, we try to you know to support and also uh, let the fans to uh, experience Vara from live and I wanted to ask you if you could take me back in time and tell me how the band became a reality all right yeah I sort of uh... I'll try to make it as uh, as short uh, as possible. In uh, 1988, Stefan Stefan alongside with uh, with Mutilator of uh, Rotting Christ and uh, and uh, Spiros the drummer uh, decided to to make a band to to form a band that was going to play uh, much. Much more evil music than uh, that. What anyone else was playing in Greece back then? I mean, there were also where there were already some bands that were playing grind, death metal, and uh, or uh, noise grind, you know. But there was no band that uh, had any idea what was uh, what was actually black metal back then. And uh, these guys decided to make a band that was Varathon and try to play something like, you know, things that... Uh, uh, a band that was influenced by Bathory, by Hellhammer, by uh, Sarcophago, by... Uh, 
you know, by Celtic Frost, you know, these kinds mm-hmm. of bands. And uh, that was the, the way Varathon started, and uh, they are considered the first black metal band in Greece. After that, uh, they released two demos. Uh, in the second demo, also Themis was uh, playing the drums from Rotten Christ. And uh, after that, a lot of lineup changes. So we're in uh, 1993, where uh, Varathorn finally released their first full-length album, which was uh, the legendary His Majesty at the Swamp. And uh, just before that, there was also released uh, a, a split between Varathorn and Rotting Christ, which is, sorry, between, between Varathorn and uh, Necromandia, which is also very, very important for the worldwide, uh, you know, black metal history. Uh, so we have His Majesty at the Swamp. After that, Stefan had uh, more lineup changes. Mutilator... Uh, was out, uh, the guitarist was out, so he, in 1995, Bathron released Walpurgisnacht, which was the the last album Stefan recorded in, uh, in Athens. More lineup uh, problems occurred after that, so Stefan uh, went uh, back to his uh, hometown, Ioannina, after a while. He tried to to keep the band alive for a while, but uh, uh, around 2000, he was completely alone. And uh, somewhere in uh, 2003, begins a new era for Varathron. That's uh, when he finds me in, in Ioannina. I was uh, 15 years old back then, very young. And... Uh, we started working on Krausrain together. I was very young, as I said. And uh, because he was completely alone here, uh, I also found uh, Harris, which uh, is a, our drummer now, a very good drummer. And he was my friend. And I told Stefan I have also a drummer for the band. So that's the way uh, Varathon were reformed in, uh, in his uh, hometown, Ioannina, here. And uh, we released Krauserin, and after that, uh, you know, the lineup uh, uh, was not yet complete. Sotiris, uh, the other guitarist, uh, which is Harry's brother, went into the band. We released uh, Stygian, Stygian uh, Forces of Scorn, and after all that, uh, there was uh, the third era according to to my to my brain the, this is the way i i think about the history of marathon this is the third era where stratos joins the band and uh, we join also uh, agonia records which gave us a boost with uh, and stratos of course which is uh, which is not just a very good uh, bassist but he is very good also in organizing things and uh, very good in uh, creating uh, conceptual ideas, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, the rest of the history, Patriarchs yeah. of Evil, and now we're on the Crimson Temple. I wanted to ask you each if you could speak on your musical development. 
At what age did you begin? Right. Uh, I'm uh, <clears throat> I'm a little uh, older than Achilles, so I was from a um, very uh, small town in Greece, in northern Greece, called Ceres. So when I was like uh, 15 years old, uh, I was really a fan of um, Peaceville sound, like all these bands like uh, My Dying Bride, Paradise Lost, and Catatonia and stuff like that. So I started by back then as a vocalist for when I like death metal bands, like melodic death metal. And uh, that lasted, like, we did you know, a couple of demos and not, not something like really, really professional. And after some years, I went for studies in, um, in the UK to do my bass and then some uh, audiovisual work in the university there. So I joined a couple of bands there. We did a couple of tours. Uh, mentality has changed a little. So I learned more things since uh, Greece was... Uh, it, it was a poorer country back then. Things were not going very well. We didn't have too many studios, uh, too many uh, specialists uh, on metal. Um, so the scene was really, really not very well known. So I took some experience. I came down to Greece. Uh, to do some more studies in the university. And then I met Achilles and started uh, joining Varathron. And we took it to, uh, of course, the band had like a, a huge um, history behind. So uh, we just took it to another level and we just can be, uh, I cannot be more proud than taking this to the to whole of the world, you know. Yeah, and uh, me, I started playing uh, guitar when I was uh, 12 or 13. And uh, I, I listened to everything from uh, starting with uh, Black Sabbath, The Purple, uh, some classic uh, prog stuff like Kansas, Rush, Boston, and uh, uh, <coughs> yeah. King Crimson, I also like that kind of stuff. I like Iron Maiden, Manowar, everything, Metallica. And uh, when I was 14, I started also listening to, to more extreme stuff, death metal, you know, classic stuff. And also started, uh, uh, you know, searching for even darker stuff in the, like uh, more evil stuff, like black metal from all around the world. Also, I liked uh, more atmospheric stuff. I remember listening, for example, in a Stefan's radio show back then when I was uh, 15, uh, the second album of Amorphis, if you can remember the, the tales from the Thousand Lakes. I remember I was very inspired by that album. Uh, the way they used uh, the keyboards and uh, the very dark elements. And that's what I also liked in, uh, in Varathorn, in Greek uh, black metal, the intense melodies, the very atmospheric use of keyboards. And uh, I, I got to know when I was 15, Stefan, and Stefan was looking for someone passionate, and he didn't care so much that I could, I, that I wasn't a... Uh, that I couldn't play extremely technical stuff. He just wanted some someone uh, who liked this kind of music and was passionate and he could work together. 
and uh, that's that's the way the things progressed. I really wanted to create uh, our own music. I didn't care for playing other people's music, so that's that's my story. And along your musical journeys, what do you feel has been the best advice that has been given to you along the way? To me, it's just nothing special. Is what I guess it has been given to everyone. Just follow your dreams, work hard, don't look what others do, and eventually you get there. Simple as that. Yeah, usually, you know, the the cliches are, are right. And for me, too, the best advice someone gave me and uh, I actually didn't thought about it uh, before was that uh, uh, focus on doing what you are already good at and you are very passionate about. Don't focus on uh, doing other things that you are not good at, you are not passionate about, because there will be always another person that is passionate about it and he will do it better. That's it. And you guys have had an amazing amazing career um your catalog is phenomenal top to bottom i wanted to ask you what has been the proudest moment for you along the way uh to me personally all these 10 years i'm in the band to be honest every day i just feel proud uh maybe sounds somehow nostalgic or but but we are very passionate so we speak daily with each other and uh, I feel proud on what we do and uh, how far we've taken this band and uh, people are enjoying our music because we are enjoying what we writing and what we're putting out there from simple stuff, from the cover to uh, the music. And also because I'm uh, managing the band when it comes to live shows, I'm very, very proud to see smiles on the faces of uh, my bandmates when uh, we finish a tour or uh, the big show. Yeah, uh, the simple stuff. Uh, me, me too. I mean, what what we we manage to what the fact that uh, we are not uh, fighting uh, with each other all the time. That uh, we don't have big egos. We just focus on uh, on having a good relationship with uh, each other and focusing on creating good stuff, good music because that's the important thing. Nothing else is important and. Uh, being creative and uh, having all this darkness and uh, aggression inside of us, all these problems, and just putting them out in music. And I'm proud of uh, the, just the fact that uh, we are working all together, we are creating albums, we are releasing, and there are people that enjoy this, nothing else. And on those lines, would you say that that shared passion and that uh, feeling between the band members, do you feel that that is, has been your key to longevity? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we call it a family, you know? Of course, uh, it, that's mm. the key. Well, it's, uh, there, there is proof because, um, you know, Varathorn exists from, uh, since 1988. And uh, mm. the reason they exist since 1988 is Stefan's obsession with the band 
because uh, back then he had all the time lineup changes. Everyone was fighting, uh, going uh, other ways, and uh, the only the the only reason the band was still alive in uh, 2002 three where I joined the band was uh, Stefan's uh, great passion. So after that point, and uh, when finally the lineup was uh, was steady with uh, Stratos also joining the group since 2010. We're only growing bigger. We're doing things we never imagined we were, we were going to do at this point. And we're still releasing uh, very, very good albums and uh, we are hang- hungry for more. And I think that's the proof, the, the thing that uh, since 2012, we have a lineup that uh, is not fighting anymore. We are focused on the band. We are focused on creation, and uh, we are always, uh, you know, progressing. I wanted to ask, uh, being in the states, what is the best way to get merchandise from the band and a physical copy of the album? Right. Mostly, there are three ways to get merchandise. Uh, one way is through our label. Second way is through our official um, uh, web store at shop.varathon.com. And of course, the third way is to visit our shows and our tours to uh, US and to watch the band live and support by uh, purchasing some merchandise. Uh, also, of course, I guess there, are, there, is, there is a lot of distribution around uh, the shops or uh, the music stores there. So hopefully you can get them through there or visit all the... Uh, the well-known um, stores and just buy them online as well. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not sure because because I haven't checked lately. But uh, Hell's Head Bangers uh, used to distribute uh, most of our stuff. Also, Nuclear War now has uh, a lot of older stuff distributing. That's it. And lastly, I wanted to ask you. If you guys could give a message to your fans, what would that message be? I would say a big thank you for um, for their support. They give us um, courage and uh, the power to uh, keep doing what we do. Uh, of course, we are passionate, but um, it's a good to get a, like a great feedback as we get. And uh, again, just a big thanks to all of them. And I hope we can see them uh, all in stage too. Well, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for creating such great music. And like I say, I love this album from top to bottom. And uh, one thing about this band that has stayed true through every lineup change, through every album, is the intensity and the great composition in each album. It's something that has never varied with this band. Thanks, Thank you, Robert. Uh, we really appreciate those words, those words. Well, thank you again, my friends, for taking time to speak with me. And please feel free to update me at any time with any new news as it comes about. It definitely about U.S. states, once you have them, uh, please inform me. I'll get them out there. And I hope to see you guys on the road. Thank you very hope much. Hope to man. see you too, Robert. You got it. 
All right. Thank you, my friends. And you have a great rest of your day. Wish you, you the like. best, man, with everything. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, yeah. man. Bye. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, come see me for a fix.